Coming up on the Sark Fighter Podcast. So I actually spent 28 days inpatient in a mental institution. No way. Susie Torres has suffered from sarcoidosis for a long time. And like many patients, she didn't know what she had amidst other health problems. The place that bothers me the most is my nerves. And I also have it in my lymphatic system and my skin. Coming up, Susie talks about what it's like to deal with sarcoidosis. And I'll tell you more about the elimination diet and how I'm trying to find a way to eat healthy foods without causing inflammation in my body. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 29 of the Sark Fighter podcast, brought to you in part by a grant from Atire Pharma. And you can hear an interview with Sanjay Shukla, the CEO of Atire, in episode 17 of the Sark Fighter podcast. The official Sark Fighter song called Zombie is by the White Hot Lizards, including band member Mark Steyer, who is also a fellow Sark Fighter. And you can hear Mark's story, the story behind those lyrics, in episode 12. I call this the Sark Fighter podcast because I'm fighting sarcoidosis, and so are you. Whether you're a Sark patient, whether you're a caregiver, a researcher, you're somewhere in this battle, and we're all in it together. So what is the Sark Fighter podcast? This is a place where those of us who are uh, Sark warriors, Sark fighters can all get together and and think about what's going on with sarcoidosis, understand maybe the larger picture uh, of which we are a part, to see how other people have struggled, to see if maybe what you're going through um, is... I don't want to say is diminished in any way, but maybe you can find some understanding by understanding that other people are going through it as well, and you find the similarities, and then maybe we can continue to to work as a group and and help the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research and other folks uh, move forward trying to find a cure uh, for sarcoidosis, and, and if not a cure, certainly maybe some therapies that can make life with this terrible disease Uh, a little bit better. And the other thing, of course, that I've mentioned multiple times now over the past year plus is that a lot of people with sarcoidosis, including my guest today, Susie Torres, feel like they are alone. Like Susie tells me, and you'll hear her say in the interview at one point, she thought she was the only person with sarcoidosis in the entire state of Utah. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a way for those of us to stay connected to one another uh, even if we aren't talking to each other, you know that there there are other people out there. And normally, uh, I do release a, a new podcast every other Monday. Uh, by the way, if you're new to the disease and you're trying to figure out what you have, what's going on in your body, you might want to consider listening to my interview with Dr. Simon Hart in Episode 2. By the way, uh, I have new data, and I can tell you that is the most listened to podcast so far in the history of the show in basically uh, a year 
and uh, a couple of weeks. So uh, that is the one that a lot of people are turning to to find out what sarcoidosis is all about. And if you want to know more about me, my story is episode one. Um, and if you want to know the, the backstory as to how the foundation for sarcoidosis research came into being now 20 years ago, listen to episode 11 with uh, the, our founders, Andrea and Redding Wilson. Andrea is a fellow SARC fighter. And then again, as I mentioned, Atire Pharma is a presenting sponsor for the podcast. And when we talk about hope, uh, that's one of the areas that we can look at because they are, uh, they are now in the final uh, clinical trial stages of a drug that shows great promise in fighting sarcoidosis. And again, that's with Sanjay Shukla, uh, the CEO of Atire, in episode 17, and he talks about that. Now, uh, let me give you a little background for today. It was just over a year ago that I traveled to Maryland from my home in Virginia, so it's about a four-hour drive outside Washington, D.C., and I was all excited because I was going up there to attend my first conference as an advocate for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. I went through their application process, and they approved the, me to come. And so this was my first sort of formal step into anything with sarcoidosis other than going to my doctor's office. I didn't know a whole lot about it. Uh, it, it was all new to me. And I had suffered uh, pretty devastating, as you've heard me mention before, 2018, because I was taking a lot of drugs. I was on chemo. I was on um, prednisone. And, uh, you know, 2018 basically stunk. Uh, actually, 2019 stunk. I had a big flare in the end of 2018, and that's when it all started. So, so, so 2019 had been awful, and it seems to me like the worse I feel, uh, the more... I want to uh, get involved in, in something having to do with helping find a cure for sarcoidosis, whether that's selfish, whether it's because for my own motives or for other people, I don't know, but, uh, but I felt like I wanted to reach out, and so I kept looking for more uh, opportunities, and the foundation really is, emerged, obviously, as, as the place to go. And so I became an advocate, and I go to this meeting, and I'm meeting for the first time other advocates. And I had just hatched this plan to start a podcast. I didn't know where the podcast might go. I didn't know if I could find anybody who was interested in talking to me. I didn't know if people would be interested in listening. But uh, I knew that there were a number of people there who were other SARC patients, because that's sort of the common denominator among all of us advocates. And uh, a number of them agreed to sit down and talk with me. And uh, one of them was Susie Torres. Now, Susie, uh, and I want to thank everybody uh, who has been on the podcast, who's also an advocate. And I think I interviewed half a dozen people. I can go back and look. But Susie is the only one whose story I hadn't uploaded until now because I was saving a ra or saving back at least one interview that I knew I had tucked aside in case I had a rainy day where I couldn't line somebody up in time for an next podcast. So I was kind of keeping Susie's interview in my back pocket, if you will. Well, that time has come. Susie, thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. Uh, it's not that your story was any more or less interesting than anybody else's. Um, I think it was just the order that I uploaded them in. And so everybody else, uh, I, I, I put all theirs out there, um, but, but I didn't get to you. And now here it is. So <laughs> today we are going to hear Susie tell her story. Um, 
And she's had a rough time with it. She really has. Uh, She's had a rough go of it. And you'll hear her talk about that in just a few minutes. Some of those same things with not knowing what's wrong with her body. Um, she walks with a walker and she's and she's she's just really had a, a tough time. She's she is on disability now after having had a successful career, a successful family. And it's just it, it, like so many sarcoidosis stories. It's heartbreaking. And she's she's going to share the details of her story with us here uh, coming up in just a minute. Before I get to her interview, though, I promised that I want I would talk a little bit about diet and trying to control inflammation in our bodies. Because uh, at the root of it, some people say that sarcoidosis is not an autoimmune disease, it's an auto-inflammatory disease because you have inflammation somewhere in your body because your body is attacking something that it sees as an invader. And so your body's immune system is going to some place and creating these granulomas, which are essentially uh, often also referred to as inflammation and it's inflammation in a place that you don't want it so if it's on your heart so we have cardiac patients in my case it's neuro because it's on my spinal cord most people have it in their lungs something like 75 or 80 percent have it in their lungs Um, and it's just these granulomas form in places in our body where they do damage and they leave behind scar tissue and they leave behind permanent damage and they incapacitate us in so many different ways. And, uh, and so one of the things that I asked for a long time ago is for people to come forward and say, look, we know that inflammation, some of the foods we eat are inflammatory. We just know that. That's a given. And uh, when I and as I mentioned before, doctors will often say, "Well, you know, I don't think we can control this with diet." And I ask people to come forward to say, uh, "Well, you know, I have uh, I've tried different dietary options, and it's helping me." And Ryan Norenberg came forward, and I interviewed him for episode twenty-seven, and he said, "Yeah, John, I'll tell you, uh, I started eating an anti-inflammatory diet." And it has made all the difference in the world. And and Ryan has cardiac sarcoidosis. And for the record, he also takes a dose of CBD every day in the form of droplets that he uh, uses a dropper and he he takes it orally uh, every day. Um, And that also has been uh, shown to be uh, anti-inflammatory in nature. So it doesn't make you feel better because you're high. It actually cuts down on inflammation in your body. Now, I'm not ready to get into the uh, the CBD thing yet. I'm not ruling it out. I just don't want to, if you change two things at once, then you don't know which one worked, right? Was it the CBD or was it the diet? And so um, Ryan uh, is married to uh, his wife, Lindsay Norenberg, and she has started uh, Nourish by Lindsay. She, she got so involved in helping him with his diet that she has now become certified and she has agreed to help me uh, with the caveat that I know that I am the first person <laughs> that she is helping that's not uh, a close friend or family member. Uh, and she is doing this gratis at this point. Um, so she and I have had numerous calls. We've done Zoom calls. Uh, and it has led me to change a couple of things. I've begun taking a probiotic called Just Thrive. Uh, is a brand name. She mentioned several, uh, but she did say that she takes Just Thrive. So I ordered a bottle of Just Thrive, and for about a week now, 
I've been taking this probiotic, which essentially is a, a bacteria that you put into your gut, and it really uh, it really helps you um, have whatever you need in there to uh, to create perfect digestion or better digestion, anti-inflammatory digestion. I'm not doing a very good job explaining this, but it uh, there's all this bacteria in your gut, and but but maybe not the bacteria you need. And the whole goal is to essentially make sure that you don't wind up with something called leaky gut syndrome leaky gut syndrome and medical science has been struggling with leaky gut syndrome what they're learning is is that so much of how our body is regulated happens in the gut and i would still describe this based upon my reading as an emerging science so uh, uh not a, uh, when you google leaky gut even on webmd they will tell you well uh it's it's not it's not exactly considered an area of science yet, but here's what we know about it. And then no matter where, where it shows up, you get to the, well, here's what we know about it, and we think there's a lot of credibility there. All right, so what I've got in front of me here, this is a, a flyer that came with my Just Thrive probiotics, and I'm just going to read what they say leaky gut is. Leaky gut is a condition where the intestinal barrier has been compromised and it hasn't officially been recognized as a medical condition, which is what I just said, but consequently, it's not taught in medical school, and there is a reason, and that's one reason it's so difficult to get a diagnosis, yet it's a condition that affects more than 80% of all American adults. Uh, this is coming from a flyer made by uh, the Just Thrive people, so uh, take it with a grain of salt if you feel that that's important. But at its core... And I've found this in reading across the internet, so I think this is generally accepted. At its core, leaky gut, technically known as gut enteropathy, arises when the intestinal barrier becomes permeable and allows bacteria, toxins, and microscopic bits of undigested food to leak out of your gut and into your bloodstream, and these contaminants can then wreak havoc throughout the body and may be at the root of your mysterious symptoms." How can you protect yourself? And then they go on to the right type of spore-based probiotic supplement, which, uh, of course, just happens to be the Just Thrive. Uh, and they have uh, several bacteria in there that I won't go into here, uh, but they have, um, they have cultured certain types of bacteria that they have found fights uh, the, the leaky gut. And then one of the things that you'll read about when you talk about probiotics is when you take a pill or a supplement, how many of them are still alive, which is what you want them to be when they still uh, get into your intestines. And, and they claim that the Just Thrive uh, is, has a much, much higher percentage rate of uh, bacteria that are still alive when they, when they get where they're supposed to be. How do you know if you have leaky gut? Chronic diarrhea, constipation, gas or bloating, food allergies, and here's the key, autoimmune disease, all right? Then also cravings for sugar or carbs, joint pain, frequent headaches or brain fog, low moods, seasonal allergies, unexplained fatigue, vulnerability to colds, flu, and other common illnesses. Now, when I go through, uh, I would say yes to chronic diarrhea, constipation, gas, or bloating, all of those. Food allergies, no. Autoimmune disease, yes. Craving for sugar or carbs, yes. 
joint pain occasionally, frequent headaches, yes, brain fog, often, low moods, fairly often, unexplained fatigue, occasionally. So all of those things uh, affect me. So do I have leaky gut? I don't know. I don't know at all. So one of the things that Lindsay has been talking to me about has been uh, changing up my diet. I'm taking the probiotic. I've told you about leaky gut. I'm on the verge of starting something called the elimination diet. The elimination diet takes out all the known inflammatory foods that you can eat for 21 days. I am not looking forward to this. Last night for dinner, I had a fast food cheeseburger from Five Guys with French fries, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, today, this morning for breakfast, I had a big omelet uh, at, a, at a breakfast restaurant. By the way, I've had my COVID shot, so I've been venturing out more. Uh, big omelet, ham and cheese omelet with American cheese, which of course is processed. Uh, all things I'm not supposed to have. I did have some green peppers in there. Um, then I had hash browns and who knows what they were cooked in, but the kind of oil that they're cooked in is going to be critical when you get into this elimination diet. And um, I had some uh, sour bread toast. And there are actually certain so- kinds of sour bread are the only bread that you can have on the elimination diet, uh, sourdough bread. But I'm not sure that uh, what I had this morning was that. And then I had butter on top of my toast, which I'm sure I'm not supposed to have. So uh, when I look here on page 12 of my uh, little flyer, again, this is from Just Thrive, but they, they do talk about the elimination diet in here. Not supposed to have alcohol, artificial sweeteners, and I usually do have that in my coffee, bacon or cold cut, sausage or other cured or processed meats, commercially baked goods like cookies and crackers, frozen pizza, dairy, especially milk, ice cream, processed cheese, fast food, oops, gluten and wheat-based food, oops, refined seed oil such as canola, safflower, soy, or sunflower oil, again, oops, in the past 24 hours, salad dressings or other commercially prepared sauces, no sugary beverages, so no Cokes, Dr. Peppers, etc., etc., and other ultra-processed uh, ultra foods, high in additives, as well as unhealthy fats and sugar. So, Lindsay has sent me a shopping list. She has sent me recipes. She has basically put it all in front of me and said, okay, John, it's up to you. Do it or don't do it. And, but I can't really say, well, I didn't know what to eat or, you know, whatever. Um, so goodbye gluten, dairy, sugar, and other processed foods. Uh, once again, I'll be shopping around the outside of the supermarket. Have you ever heard that trick? Don't go down the center aisles, just shop around the outside. And that's how you avoid processed foods. Think about that. In my supermarket, you go to the right, there's your fruits and vegetables, and then there's your meats, and then there's actually some dairy and some other stuff. But but it's not all the cookies and crackers and crunchy things and cereals and all the things that you find in those center aisles, um, processed foods, as it were. So uh, starting actually tomorrow, God willing, and the creek don't rise, my wife and I are going to start the elimination diet, and I am going to let you know how that goes. And sitting here on the outside looking in, uh, it's possible that for, you know, that we won't make it for 21 days. I like to eat junk. I like chips. I like 
pretzels, you know, whatever. Uh, so, so we'll see if that works. Uh, so I just want to let you know. And then, of course, if I get through it, uh, and then what you do is you add, you add back slowly these things, gluten, dairy, so forth and so on. And then you, you start to look at, okay, did that make me feel bad? No. Well, maybe I can eat that. Yes. Well, all right, then let's continue not to eat that. So that's how the elimination diet works. You take it all away and then you slowly add things back and then you see what works and what doesn't work. And, and I've been rambling on about this. Uh, and I think if Lindsay would agree to come back on, come on, uh, I, I'll have her do that. Uh, at least I'll ask her and uh, and see where it goes from there. But it's Lindsay Nuremberg, Nourished by Lindsay. And I'll have a link in the show notes as well to get in touch with her. But the main topic today is uh, Susie Torres. And we are going to have Susie on coming up right after this. I feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter Podcast. Today, I am joined by Susie Torres of Utah, and she is an advocate for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. We are at a conference. Uh, it's training for advocates, and she has agreed to sit in a little bit on the Sark Fighter Podcast to uh, talk about her significant journey with sarcoidosis. Susie, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you very much. Sure. So, uh, I see you walk with a walker. I do. I know you've had a, a significant impact from sarcoidosis. Why don't you share with listeners how you kind of went from regular every day to where you are now? So, it's really interesting when people ask me to tell my story. I'm like, where does it really begin? Um, because I, I actually have fought health issues all my life. And so I don't know where the sarcoidosis began. Was I born with it? Or where did I acquire it along the way? My, um, my mom used to, um, I would stop breathing as a baby. And um, then when I was six years old, I had rheumatic fever. And when I was 19, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. When I was um, 25, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And I ended up going on um, disability in my 30s, but we kind of found symptoms to use for an excuse because I couldn't find a really great diagnosis. I had severe abdominal pain and, um, oh, I should back up a little bit, around 2000, I was, um, I was 29 years old and I developed this cough and nobody could explain it. 
And I actually ended up, one thing that's really common for women with chronic illness is if the doctor can't figure it out, they would send you to a psychiatrist. It's uh-huh. fortunately not as common now, but it was very common back then. My, um, my grandma has stories, my mom has stories, and I have stories. So I actually spent 28 days inpatient in a mental institution. No way. Yes, and then um, while I was there, they diagnosed acid reflux. (laughs) So that was making my cough worse. But now knowing I have sarcoidosis, I bet that had something to do with it. But that was it all along. So where where is it in your body? In my body, it's the place that bothers me the most is my nerves. And I also have it in my lymphatic system and my skin. Um, with the nerves, I have a condition called dysautonomia. That's like pretty much anything your nerves take care of that you don't think about, your heart rate, your blood pressure, your digestion, um, your breathing. Um, it can go wonky. So I have to take medication for a high heart rate um, for the blood pressure. And I have to be really careful about what I eat because I can't digest things. And that is why I use the walker huge part of my sarcoidosis story started in 2017. I was working and um, after lunch I just couldn't, I couldn't catch my breath and I was just so tired and um, I had recently gotten my Apple Watch. It was a bonus from doing great at my job and um, I noticed my heart rate was 135 beats per minute and I was just sitting at my desk I told my manager, I was like, you know, I need an hour to try to catch my breath. And the hour didn't help. So he was like, hey, Susie, I think you need to go to the emergency room. So I found out I was dehydrated. But the next, they gave me fluids. And the next day, I wasn't up to going to work. Mm -hmm. And um, so I fought it going on and off short-term disability for about eight months before I ended up on long-term disability. I was first diagnosed with the dysautonomia, and then finally in August, I got the sarcoidosis diagnosis. And it was sarcoidosis then in your lungs or in your nerves, or what was driving your heart rate like that? The nerves. The nerves. The nerves. So it was ten, like tension in your body or something? So it was in your nerves, and it was, that was making your heart rate? Yes. So I have, my, my doctor says that... Um, I, my, I have an orphan disease because not only is sarcoidos, sarcoidosis a rare disease, but I have it predominantly in my peripheral nervous system. And usually when you hear about neurosarcoidosis, it's the central nervous system. Right. Mine's on my spine. Mm-hmm. So I understand that part. So where is yours in the nerves in your arms, your legs, your... So like everything outside of your brain in your spine. And the, um, the vagus nerve goes down the center of your body and controls almost everything. That is the biggest place of problem that I have. I get biweekly infusions. I get two liters of fluid twice a week. And they have to go really slow, so it's four hours each time. And I have to have nausea medication because I have a port, and the fluid goes directly into my heart, and my that irritates my vagus nerve. What kind of fluid are we talking about? Just IV saline, saline, salt water for dehydration. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And what what medicines are you taking to control the sarcoidosis? 
I can't take anything. So I can't take prednisone because I'm an uncontrolled diabetic. We tried the methotrexate and it made me horribly sick. My liver is in really bad shape. And um, so I couldn't do the methotrexate. And I get sick really, really easy. When I was diagnosed with sarcoidosis, I had been on consecutive antibiotics for over two years for one infection after another. So my doctors don't want me taking any immunosuppressants. I did get on IVIG, the Gaminex C, for about five months, but then my insurance decided it's not medically necessary because there hasn't been a study with 200 patients and it's not approved by the FDA. So well, we're hearing various versions of that a lot here on the Sark Fighter podcast where sarcoidosis is out there and there's all these other medications that help similar diseases. Mm-hmm. But because there hasn't been a sarcoidosis study, then they don't want to approve it. I've gone through that with Remicade and finally got it approved. And now I take Humira and finally got that approved. And it's right now, as we speak, in 2020, it's working. Yay. But if somebody came in tomorrow and said, you can't have Humira anymore, what would I do? Right. You know, and that's yeah. exactly where you are. That's got to be so frustrating. It really is. I see people in Utah... So when I got diagnosed, I felt like I must be the only person on the planet that has this disease. I thought I had heard it on house. I thought it was something they had made up. Um, right. Every time they can't figure out what it is on house, they say it's sarcoidosis. Right. Yes. Yes. You're the first other person who's noticed that besides <laughs> me. So I thought they made it up for the show. Um, I did meet one gentleman at work that told me that he had it. Um, and I was shocked. I told him the same thing. I was like, is that for real? And he's like, yes, it is. And, um, but in Utah, I know one man who has been on Humira for a long time. And so he's able to work and have a normal life. Um, I know we have a person in our state that only has it in her bones, that doesn't have it in her lungs or nervous system or anything else. It's just her bones. I mean, that's terrible, but it's unusual. And so I think that people really need to look outside the box with sarcoidosis. I think a lot of times it probably goes undiagnosed because they think, oh, this is just a lung condition. That's what I'm hearing from people, but it, because it can appear anywhere, and, and listeners know about about my story with my spine, people just don't know. There's, it usually starts out with a misdiagnosis followed by another two or three misdiagnoses before someone does a biopsy or concludes sarcoidosis by process of elimination, and then... And then you start getting treatment. In the meantime, they're loading people up with prednisone, or it, you know, that's been my story and other folks' story. So tell the listeners your life before sarcoidosis and since sarcoidosis. Because, for instance, you got an Apple Watch because you were doing so well at work. Yes. So you, so you weren't you know, some loser. I mean, you had a, a robust life. You, right. Your, your pretty daughter is sitting right here with us. You know, you had you had an ongoing active life. What was it like before and after? Oh, well, because I've been sick on and off throughout my life, I've developed a lot of coping mechanisms because there's so much beauty in life. And I'm one of those people, I want to do everything. And um, so I, I've been married 28 years. We've got four children. 
that are all married and we've got 11 grandchildren and they're absolutely fabulous. And I was working at a brokerage company and um, I worked in the inheritor services department. So people that had lost a loved one who had investments in stocks and bonds and mutual funds would call me and I would walk them through the process of um, how to do all of the paperwork to get that transferred over. Because um, inheritance processes, you know, they can be really complicated. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoyed it, being able to help people. Great. And then one day, all of a sudden, you look down at your Apple Watch, and you've got this heart rate, and yes. everything started going south from there. Yeah, because I'm diabetic, I had macaroni and cheese for lunch that day. I loved macaroni and cheese. But I know as a diabetic, that's not the wisest choice, and it can raise your blood sugar. So when I, after lunch I was feeling so tired, I was like, I'm just going to go for a walk. Because if I go for a walk, that helps lower your blood sugar. And um, I went for a walk and I actually felt worse. And um, that's because I was dehydrated. And <laughs> you don't yeah. go for a walk to right. solve dehydration. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's going to go the other way. Right? Um, yeah, it, it's... I'm somebody that I love um, healthy competition, and I love excelling at work. I love getting recognition and bonuses and awards. And um, fortunately for that, my dis I'm on disability now. Um, I actually have a better situation than a lot of other people. Like, say, if you had never worked or... Or because I do know other people that are um, completely on welfare because of their disability due to sarcoidosis. And it's so much harder. I mean, I'm struggling with a good income and good insurance. And um, I just feel really for the people that are not in my situation but have all the health problems too. Sure. So you're an advocate for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Yes. What do you do in your role as an advocate? The very first thing I did, it's funny, when I got diagnosed, I forgot about the guy I had met at work that had sarcoidosis. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm the only person in Utah with sarcoidosis. And so um, I was like, I need to find other people like me. And so the very first thing I did was I started a Facebook group. It's called Utah Sarcoidosis Support. And with Facebook, you need to add at least one other person before you can start a group. So I added my daughter. <laughs> so it's just me and my daughter, the sarcoidosis group in Utah. Uh -huh, right. Um, and then, but it didn't take long for people to find us. There were people already in Utah that had been diagnosed like 10 years before yeah. and thought they were all alone. Don't you find that over and over? Yes. People think they're all alone. That's yes. why I wanted to start the podcast. And I think that is beautiful. I'm so glad you're doing this. Yeah. Um, so, so people joined your Facebook group. Yes. And, and, you know, and I hope you'll share this podcast with your Facebook followers. Absolutely. Because we want people in Utah to, to listen to the podcast. Because I just, that's what I, when I told my story on television, people started coming out of the woodwork. I had no idea there were all these people in Virginia who had it. And so, so that made you feel not so all alone. So you, right. so then you found 
the, the foundation, then you became an advocate, mm-hmm. and like you're wearing a Team Kiss 5K, so yes. I assume you've attended some of the events. Do you have an event of your own? Or? I did one last year. It was yeah. Last year was the very first ever 5K for sarcoidosis in the state of Utah, um, and to be completely honest, it was too much. It was too hard. So as we're advocating while we're sick, we have to find balance. And I had some amazing people helping me, but because it was something I'd never done before, I ran into little glitches along the way and learned a lot of lessons. Mm -hmm. And so this year, I'm still on the fence if we're going to do one or not. I'm a little scared. Um, But we did raise, I can't remember how much money, I want to say like $1,500 for the foundation. Great, yes. Yeah, but being here in training, of course, I'm an idea person. I have thousands of ideas and actually follow through on a few of them. (laughs) Right, right. And um, so I have lots, excuse me, I have lots of ideas for doing more to spread sarcoidosis awareness in Utah. Great. Well, um, I wish you the best of luck on the on the rest of your journey and with your uh, eleven grandchildren. Congratulations! Thank you. And uh, we will uh, we'll see you at the next meeting. And thank you for sharing your story on the Sark Fighter Podcast. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. So, no, Susie, you are not the only person in the entire state of Utah who has sarcoidosis. <laughs> and I'm sorry you had to find that out the hard way, but thank you for your volunteer activity as an advocate and your uh, special Facebook page, the Utah Sarcoidosis Support Group. And I'll put a link to all of that in the show notes. And remember that uh, the interview with Susie was recorded pre COVID. It would have been uh, recorded in late January, maybe early February, early February of 2020, right before the whole COVID thing hit. And so you heard her talk about 5Ks and so forth, and, and all of that has gone by the wayside until until our pandemic passes. Um, but, uh, but she really has had a tough go of it, uh, despite the fact that she's lived a full and successful life and has all those grandchildren you heard her mention, and I just want to thank her once again for for coming on the Sark Fighter podcast. And then with respect to the diet that I'm working on, I will continue to keep you updated on my situation, let you know how that goes. Uh, If it goes well, uh, I will continue to talk about this and and maybe uh, make even more um, detailed information available. At this point, I feel like Lindsay has shared it with me Uh, I think that she will eventually be uh, charging for her services if this is something that takes off. And I don't want to release anything that uh, that she might at this point consider proprietary. Although if you go out and Google the elimination diet, you're going to find a fair amount of information on that. Uh, And again, I'll have links to uh, the elimination diet, to uh, the probiotic that I'm taking, in case you want to read more about it. It's called Just Thrive. And, um, you know, so far, honestly, after a week, I haven't really noticed any difference. Uh, but I do feel like my body is adjusting to something. Uh, I can't say whether it's been a good or a bad adjustment. I just feel uh, a little off, a little different. Uh, but I would think that that is in keeping with everything I've heard about switching up what's going on in your gut. So uh, I'm neither encouraged nor concerned. I, I just am. 
So, but anyway, uh, I'll put a link out there and you guys can make up your own mind as to uh, what what you might want to do with that or at least read a little bit more if you're interested. So anything I've mentioned will be in the show notes and we'll keep you posted in the next Sark Fighter podcast. Until next time, keep fighting. I feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling
strength 